0: So we're moving on to scripture reading. 1 Corinthians 3 1 through 9. Divisions in the church. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready. God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: All right. Good evening. Thanks, Taylor. If I haven't met you before, and if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here at The Way. I know most of you. I really do. I know of you. So that counts for something. All right, let's look at some landmarks for L.A., for living in a city. You guys probably know L.A. pretty well. Um, And this is what we're going to do, is we're going to make this slightly interactive. My friend Enrique's uh, rubbing off on me. Uh, But what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to give you some softballs. I'm going to give you some easy ones, and then we'll progressively move forward. So you can just shout it out. Why don't you just shout out the place where this is? Okay, so let's look at this first one. What is it? Where is that place? Come on. Uh, Come on. Yeah, so she beat you to it. So clearly you need to be a little bit more competitive, but do not use your phones. It's going to get a little bit, of course, I don't know how you use your phone. Take a picture, I guess. Um, All right, let's like, where's this? Come on, if you get this wrong, where is that? All right, I heard Pasadena over here. Again, a little slow. Um, let's get competitive. Okay? Let's do it. Let's look at this third one, softball. Where is that? Getty. Getty. Oh, G Sun got it. I I, I see, G Sun. All right, G Sun is clearly in the game now. So now you have to beat her. Okay? She is the person to beat right now. All right, another uh, landmark. Let's look at the next one. A little harder. Brand Library. Yes, Brand Library. What's it called? What's it called? It's the Brand Library. Yeah, but what is that building called? The the L. Come on, somebody. Mirad Miradero. Miradero. Okay, all right. So, but G Sun still, she still got that point. <laughs> so you still have to be G Sun. Good job, G Sun. You're killing it. You're doing great. You're crushing it. All right, uh, next one. Where is that? I gave you a detail. That's the building. A little detail of the building. It's a little harder, but but it, it's a, it, it is a landmark. It's an LA landmark. Close, it's similar, similar. There are gravestones there, so that's a hint. It would be um, in Compton, oh, wow. not Watts Tower, although uh, another landmark, Angelus Abbey. G Sun is still in the lead, however. <laughs> All right, let's look at it. Where is this located? Oh, like City. Yeah. Tony. Give them the point. Give them the, I don't know who's doling out the points, but Tony gets the point. So, that's the Samator uh, Tower in Culver City. Good job, uh, Tony. All right, all right, all right. Last one. All right, the seventh, that's a biblical number, the number of completion. All right, seventh landmark is? Yeah, uh, th- those, all right. So people, people. All right. Now, this is going to disappoint you. Show them the second slide. This comes from a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com. These were all computer-generated faces. So this is frightening, actually. (laughs) All of those people do not exist. I got this from my son. You go and you can refresh this this website. It shows you a picture of someone who is computer-generated from all these different parts and photos across the Internet, and they compose these brand-new people that do not exist in real life. These people, this person does not exist.com. All right. Um, Why do I put that last one? There's a landmark in Los Angeles that is God's landmark. It is his edifice. It is his building in every single city. Um he, uh, Paul uses um three metaphors. Uh one is a body, one is a garden, and one is a building, but I'm going to concentrate on a building tonight. Okay? Um he says this, "In a city, my landmark is going to be my people in that city." All right? And those people are going to make prominent one thing. They're going to make prominent Jesus, my son. So in Revelation 12, there's this picture where um, it says uh, the saints are being accused by the devil all day long. They're accusing God's people. And this is the funny thing about it is that his accusations are right. All about us. Whatever he says about us is right. Like what we've done, who we are, what's inside. And it says this in Revelation 12 The evil one is conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of his people to the blood of the Lamb. And he is conquered. That's strange. He's conquered by that. He's conquered by the people who are saying, that's the only thing we care about is the blood of the Lamb. It's the only thing we care about is the Son. And so his people in a city are going to be ones that make a big deal about Jesus. And that's his landmark in a city. All right. So we hear that and we're like, okay, it's a people. And so this is what we've done throughout history. You say, okay, God said his people are his landmark in a city. So what we do is we say, okay, let's cool. um, 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 Let's build something. Let's build them a real building. Let's do it. Um, And he says, no, 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 no. Actually, there are going to be no more temples. Like when Jesus was crucified, the veil in the temple was torn in two saying, hey, look, you don't need this anymore to get access to God because Jesus is access to God, right? So no more spires, no more tents, no, no more that, that, that. And so because a, a place and a tent is not going to heal a city because I'm not, my presence isn't going to be there. That's not going to heal a city. But I'm going to send my spirit to a people, and my people will heal a city. And so we heard that and we said, okay, 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 let's make it super, super ornate then, like the Hagia Sophia, or let's say the Sistine Chapel. I have a friend, she's a lawyer and she, uh, she doesn't believe in Jesus, she's an atheist, and she goes to the Sistine Chapel like tourists do, and she looks up and she said to her friend, she said, God must be really impressed. And there was not a bit of irony to it. Well, no, he's not actually because that's not his place that's not his building his building is his people and we we can't figure this out and we say okay okay we'll we'll we'll, how about this we spend generations building on it and we'll call it a cathedral would you like that? No, my people are my edifice and my landmark in a city and so this is what paul is saying in first corinthians three and four um God's people are his landmark in a city to bring healing to a city. Now, because of that, um, when his people bicker and squabble and fight and have conflict, that's one thing. And that's kind of, dare I say it, normal. Normal. But when they divide and say, I cannot know you, I cannot love you, I cannot help you, I cannot be kind to you, I cannot show honor to you, I cannot respect you because we're so divided, then a city doesn't need a church. The world's already divided, we don't need another group that's divided. So, 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 so this is it is I'm going to give you this picture of division and unity. And you're going to say, oh, 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 the, the picture of unity is what can heal a city. But when it gets all messed up in division, it's, it, it's a useless organization for the city. So here's the shape. This is what I want to do. Um, we're covering a huge segment of First Corinthians, but it all is the same. It's pertaining to the same subject, and that is div- dividedness. So this covers um, the first chapter, verses 10 through 17. It covers all of chapter 3, and it covers um, to verse 21 of chapter 4. So I'm covering a ton of ground, but it's all about the same thing. What I've done is I've tried to distill everything. So you're going to want to do more study. But what I'm going to do is distill it so that it's simple. That's what I want to do tonight. And So this is a shape I want to talk about. Um, the first one is we have a problem of dividedness. Okay, we have a problem of dividedness. That is a real problem in the culture and in the church. Two, I want to give you a compelling vision of unity that stands in contradistinction to a culture that is divided. So I want to do that. And then the third thing I want to do is I want to tell you and show you how dividedness can cure dividedness. Now that sounds really strange. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about the problem of dividedness. I said this there is a problem of dividedness everywhere. Like, this isn't just a church problem, we have a problem of dividedness. Um, it, it's, it happens in a church community, it happens in a broader community. Um, so two issues for a foil this evening is inside a churchy community, everyone can get really mad at each other about music style and preference. Trust me, I've had 20 plus years where people will f- go to the mat for this and then they'll stop talking and stop being friends with your family and go away and you should just do that. And I'm going to just go now while you fire me. Like That's, that's, that's what it is in the church so if you're outside of church you're like that's crazy you guys fight about music style and preference okay but it happens in a broader community too here's here's a foil and this one's fun to vax or not to vax right there divided um this was in the baltimore sun their editorial this last week september 14th here's this cartoon um I lost my job because I refused to get vaxxed, help. And you can feel the dividedness in the culture, including my own heart that says, mm, no, no, we gave you plenty of chances. No, we're divided. I've reached my limit. I've reached my limit with you with this, this, this issue. Right? We get this, man, what is he doing? I don't know. All right, let's be careful here. Um, a a division means this, this is what division is. It doesn't mean conflict. It doesn't mean argument. It doesn't mean dialogue. It doesn't mean those things. A division means this is I can no longer associate with you. I can no longer know you and help you. I can no longer be kind to you. I can no longer show respect to you. I can no longer show love to you. I can no longer, I can avoid you now. I can reject you now. I can dismiss you now. I can disparage you now. I can belittle you now. That's what dividedness is. So I am not saying this because some of these issues that we're talking about are life and death. So I'm not saying they're unimportant issues. I'm saying this. is that you don't have to give up the dialogue and you don't have to give up the persistence and you don't have to give up the advocacy. These are important issues. I'm saying that both the world and the church have dividing lines. And there's a line that all of us have chosen somewhere with someone. And we're like, that's the issue that finally makes me step away from you as a person and says, I know, I, no, no, I will not help you. See, that's what we're talking about, division. It's a problem of dividedness. I don't care to know you and help you and love you, and I don't care, I don't care anymore. That's dividedness, and it's in the church, and it's in a culture. So the issue in Corinth is not so different from the issues of today, inside the church, outside the church. No, 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 what do we do? Here it is. I'm gonna distill two chapters for you, dense chapters of God's word. We base our divisions on our self-rightness, perceived, and another's wrongness, like the cartoon. You are wrong. You did not get vaxxed. It was clear. There was plenty of chances. There was science behind it. And now I've said, no. We base our divisions on our self-rightness and another's wrongness. So in Corinth, I want you to get this. Um, (laughs) Paul was not preferred in Corinth. (laughs) It seems that Paul was the second choice in Corinth, which is really funny because Paul is one of the greatest Christian thinkers we've had in 20 centuries. And um, uh, tradition has it that he was a smallish man and he was unattractive. And tradition holds that he had a stutter. So um, he was not much of a public speaker, Paul. Not suave, not dynamic, not interesting, I mean, he didn't even, did you think he showed a a cartoon from the Baltimore Sun? No. Proof to you tonight. Yeah. Paul, what are you doing? So Corinth was like, we, we dig us some Apollos. We dig us uh, some. Uh, Apollos gets our vibe. He is smooth. He's dynamic. He's polished. I bet you Apollo's used some sort of product, some like ancient product, olive oil, Whew. on the sides. Um, oh. whatever whatever ancient teeth whitener there was. Is that mine? It could be be mine if it's in my bag. Oops. <laughs> I think of Apollos as the guy that uses teeth whitener. And you're, every time he smiles, it's just like, like, Hey, good to know you. Um, and Corinth was, was like, most of Corinth was like, we dig us some Apollos. Like he gets us. And what, if he says it, like we're going, we're going along. That clearly was not mine. Um it's the proto-Twitter debate. Uh, all right, so Apollos and Paul. Um, the proto-Twitter debate is this, is if you ever want to get some, something going with your Twitter followers, just be like, hey, I'm going to throw this stat out there, and I think the GOAT, G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time, um, was probably LeBron. And then maybe a, m- a few months from then, just like pick Jordan and just like watch the excitement happen below you. There's a dividing line. If you are pro-Jordan, like, dude, get away from me. Like, this is my camp right here. All right, this is the proto-Twitter debate. Um, Are you for Biden? Are you for Trump? Paul gets to the root here. And and I'm I'm using these rhetorically amplified examples because we have to get to the root of what dividedness is. And Paul says this. um, It's not that, the people are loving Apollos or they're loving me. That's actually not what's going on. I love what the association with Apollos, Paul, LeBron, or Jordan does for me in relation to others and to my rightness. So when I say, when you hear someone say, I'm with Apollos, or if you say someone, I'm with Biden, I'm with Trump, doesn't matter really. I'm with Bernie, I'm, I, don't, I don't even care. Like, I'm with Ralph Nader, I'm with Ralph Nader's future grandson who doesn't exist yet. Well, He probably exists, by the way, I don't know. I have not de- dived deeply into the Nader. Uh, Tim, get back on track, okay, I'm going to get back on track. When we say, I am with Apollos, What it is really, look, look, Apollos and me agree, and you are wrong, and I'm right, and I'm better in my rightness. It's actually not a truth argument first. Um, there's a Jewish meme that's been floating around. There are Jewish memes? Yes, it was forwarded to me by a friend this last week. Um, I have edited it, and I have made it family-friendly for you, so thank you, all right? Say thank you, Tim. (laughs) It says, I wasn't nice, but I was right. So I first read this sent it from a buddy for me. We've been through some wars together, some conflict of ourselves together, not between me and him. And I thought, oh, that's like a psalm. Like you have repentance, but you have exaltation in the truth, right? And then I thought about it and then I texted him back, another furious text, text number two. And I said, "Oh, oh, maybe... Maybe half repentance is just full Pharisee. These are my thumbs texting, by the way, if, if you didn't get the visual. And then I thought about it, and then I texted him back, text number three. And I said, "I'm not justified by my truth. I am justified by the person who is truth." Do you see the arc? Hey, that was pretty great. Yes, what I was mean, but I was right. Do you see that arc? And then you realize, oh, it was more about my rightness and not being made right by the person who is rightness. What's the problem of dividedness? And I'm distilling so much here. The problem of dividedness is we will be divided because we want to be made right. I want righteousness by my truth. Do you see that? I want righteousness by my truth. Okay, that's the problem of dividedness. Now, let me give you a compelling vision of unity of Jesus' landmark and building. Okay, what if our dividing line is not over personal rightness in issues, right? It's not just the thing, that's the thing that disconnects me. Hey, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to know you. I don't want to love you. I don't want to be kind to you. I don't want to have to show mercy to you. But what if um, it's based on the rightness of another person and not our own rightness? Um, The edifice and landmark of God in a city is his People. Now I've struggled with this because I, I on there's a lot of days where i don't I don't like this but it's the truth and i'm- i'm gonna say it to you is for jesus' followers and god's people um uh God's people are god's plan a parentheses only plan <laughs> to bring restoration to a broken world and what have you been to church have you have you gotten plugged in deeply into any church and have you seen behind the curtains it's a metaphorical curtain not that it's nicer behind that than the metaphorical curtain have you seen how the sausage is made oh my goodness gracious Do you know who is a part of our community? Do you know? Cheats and charlatans and manipulators and adulterers and felons, yep. Addicted, needy, dependent, court-ordered, probationary status, yep. Finicky, grumbling, complaining, clingy, awkward, neurotic, issues, 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 issues. Bad parent, they're bad parents, they're bad spouses. A lot of us are not the best friends. And, and that's the healthier churches. <clears throat> um, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, longtime minister in London. Uh, he said this, he said, I wish my people were healthy enough so that I would have to preach through 1 Corinthians. Wait, what? What did he mean by that? Um, This is what he meant by that. Is Paul looked at Corinth, and they were responding to that foolish message of the cross, the blood of the Lamb. And guess what? There were some strange cats attracted to that cross. Do you see it? Strange, needy, dependent cats coming to the cross. And we have Democrats here, and we have Republicans here, and we have Libertarians here, and we have Green Party people here, and Bernie people here, and hybrids of those and our common alignment is not a thing or a group or an issue. It's a person. See, that's what Paul saw in Corinth. He's like, oh, they're rallying around a person, and now we got problems. We got some serious problems now because they're rallying around the friend, and we got all these people getting together in the same room, in the same community. All right, what if something beautiful arises then when you get this this, this mishmash of people together that are rallying around a person in the blood of the Lamb. Well, people are going to be like, whoa, we're going to have to give some credit to God because that doesn't happen. Like not in the culture, not like, like it doesn't, dividedness happens. When you start talking issues and saying, okay, um, regular schooling or homeschooling, go. Um, Republican or Democrat, Go. Like when you start talking about issues people are like oh, that's my dividing line that's my dividing line that's my dividing line I can't know you you're crazy I don't like you that's that's not speaking in tongues that was just me going crazy The best of churches are like this refugee triage hospital tent that's the best of churches I haven't seen any better churches building. God's landmark is a beautiful edifice for God's power in brokenness. What What is our mission and vision? Broken lives made whole and transformed by God's power. Broken lives made whole and transformed by God's power. It's about his faithfulness and his kindness and his mercy. It's not about your awesomeness and your nobleness and your try-hardism and your resolve and your strategies. It's about God and his work, God and his greatness, God and his mercifulness, God and his kindness, God, God who does not stop forgiving inexplicably. See, see, this is the building. I'm gonna give you this beautiful picture of God's landmark and building in a city um, because when his people bicker, And say, nope, that's my dividing line. Nope, I can't know you and can't be kind to you. And I don't. When that when that happens, you know what God's built? It becomes just like a, a an empty lot with broken glass and syringes and tumbleweed. It's useless. It's not unique. That's not bringing heaven to a city. I'll just add to the hell. Hate on any side of an issue is actually not very unique and it's not very compelling and it's not very mesmerizing. Like, come on. It doesn't matter what side of the issue. You're, on. you're like more hate. That's not compelling. I actually have seen that hate before. Oh yeah. We can label it different on different sides, but it's still hate. And wow, that's just, I'm tired. I really just want to turn it off and turn off my phone. All right. Let me give you a picture of the building. A beautiful, compelling, mesmerizing picture of the building. And here it is. Um, recently, I, I, I meet with um, these pastors in the SGV. They are not a part of our tribe. They're not a part of our denomination. We're all uh, um, pastor radically different churches in different contexts. And so we're there at this meeting, and um, we're in this really nondescript room. There's just no art on the walls. Some uh, some couches. Um, a thumbtacked little eight and a half by 11 poster for an event that maybe happened five years ago. Um, there was a disconnected coffee maker on the coffee table, ironically enough. Um, and, uh, but there was these pastors from all these different um, ministries and, and you know what represented there, you've got a church that's doing like um, immigration work and legal work for immigrants and um it, providing a financial lending backdrop for immigrants and helping immigrants guide or go through a a vast bureaucratic uh, process with our government. And you had another church and they do prison visitation and they had another church. They're all about deliverance, deliverance from addictions, deliverance from abuse, uh, deliverance from poverty and getting you to a place. There was another church that they're all in the housing, like fair, fair, and safe and clean and and stuff that just doesn 't wreck your budget and there 's another church that 's in doing child tutoring and after school care and preschool care and also giving meals to those um, after school, another church adopting an elementary school and elderly care and foster orphan care, and another church right that they 're involved in giving people just transportation. <coughs> Because um, even though those billboards say that if you took the bus, it would save you 20 minutes, who believes that nonsense? No, no, it can ca- if you're the, a working poor person, it can carve out, what, two hours of your day every day, and we're not even talking about going to the laundromat yet. And so they're providing transportation saying, say, hey, we're going to give some of the time back to you, and that's all we do because we have this van, but we're going we're to give you transportation. And there's education and after-school um, relationships. And I'm sitting there in this in this nondescript room, and and like d- just the looks of it, it doesn't look like an edifice or a landmark. And you know what I'm thinking? What lottery ticket did I win to be included with these? These saints, saints who are bringing healing to a city, like I don't deserve to be there. I'll get you water, sir. I'll make your coffee, sir. I, like, I will, do, like, I'll, let me buff those shoes for you. Like, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this edifice of healing in God's city. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Like, that's the feeling I get. All right, so um, let me, it's, it's this, kindness is what we're talking about, is we're not talking about a politeness. I refuse to mention your political views when we are in contact with each other, and I will not actively spit in your, I'm not talking about political courtesy or nicety, or like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that is radically kind to bring a city to healing. So I read this book recently, it's called The The Kindness Conspiracy, or maybe it's The Conspiracy of Kindness, you can Google it, um, by uh, Scott Sodren. And yes, he's a pastor and pastor type, but but he was like, I, I, I want to believe in the upside down kingdom. Like doing the thing that no one wants to do to bring healing to a place in a city. So there was a gas station near his house, and um, it was... a. I don't even need to describe this to you because you guys know gas station bath- bathrooms, right? I don't have to go there. So so he's like, this is near my house. And he goes up to the guy and he goes, hey, um, Jesus told me t- I, to claim your bathroom and make it clean for you. And the guy, <laughs> again, family friendly, but the guy was just like, what? Well, <laughs> again not tongues just editing <laughs> um you want to okay sure you clean my bathroom so he goes in there and he goes i got the, like he goes i'm i'm down i i've got toothbrush he goes i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make this bathroom a kingdom bathroom you wacko like what <laughs> You know you are a highly educated, rational person who can pay someone else to do that. You know you can do, right? And he goes, "I kept on, I kept on coming back." And 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 so the the, the guy, uh, I don't know if he owned it, but the, the attendant was just like, increasingly, he's like, "All right, now, who told you to do this again? <laughs> who told like?" Why? Why are you cleaning this bathroom? Um, It it is that upside-down kingdom that said, "What? The pathway, the pathway to unity is absolute kindness through bizarre sacrificial generosity." I want to tell you more of a story, but I can't. I got to march on. It's pretty fascinating. If you want to. Fascinating. You know, you can look at our community that swirls around South Past, um, San Gabriel, San Marino, um, Pasadena. Swir- and I don't have to describe it to you. You know, you know what swirls in our community, the people who have swirled in our community. And, um, you know, you can look at our community and say, hey, this, we're a nice community. Like, we don't have a lot of broken fences. We don't have a lot of broken windows. That'd be a scandal in and of itself. Um, But come on, you know this. It doesn't mean we're nice. Have you read the comments on Nextdoor? Oh, we're not nice. We have murder up in here. There's a deep brokenness behind those doors. There's a brokenness in connection to God and self and spouse and others and kids and your neighbor and a broader community and a broader culture. Just brokenness, brokenness, non-reconciled, no peace, anxiety, anger,
0: murder.
1: And you know this, in our vision, we have desired to connect With our neighbors, so they will know that their broken lives can be made whole by the power of Jesus. We often despise the little things that other believing communities are doing, but you know what? We're all bricks in this amazing edifice of God's healing to a community. All right. How does dividedness cure dividedness? All right, because you could say, hey, that's great. That sounds great. You gave me this compelling vision of what the church should be, could be, is sometimes in flashes, in bits, in pieces, collectively, I don't know. But that divided problem you gave us, that's kind of real here and in my workplace and my job. And my, like, that's real. The dividedness is real. Thanks a lot for the flashes of possibility. But how do we make that happen? How do you get a community to do something like that? How in the world could you ever be deep pals enough with someone who is opposite you on the vax or not the vax issue? And not just pals. Is how could you ever get to the point where you say... I will deeply sacrifice for you in generosity and kindness and tenderness, you who are opposite of me. How do do you do that? This is Paul's dividing line. Now, Paul has a dividing line now. You may not have known that, but we, we get this in 1 Corinthians, we get it from Galatians, and we get it from Philippians. And I'll try to compact a lot of scripture for you. Paul's dividing line is the good news of the blood of the Lamb for your rightness. That's the good news. And Paul says, that's, that's going to be my dividing line. Listen to this. In the first part of the Philippians, Paul says this, I would rather do hard time in a Roman prison if that means that the good news that I just said gets out there. I'd rather do hard time. He says this, I would rather have someone, he says this in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere, I would rather have someone disparage me and run me over and call me a liar as long as that good news gets blasted. He says this, I would rather have someone terrible motives for them talking about Jesus and how Jesus is the blood of the lamb. I'd rather them have terrible motives and self-aspirational and ambitious motives for that. I'd rather have the, have that horrible bad motives as long as the good news is clear. I don't care what their motives are. He says this in Galatians. <laughs> This is going to be rough, okay? He says, um, if anyone changes that news, that good news, they are anathema. Now, that is Paul's, that's a nice Greek way of saying, I just wish that anyone who would messed that good news up, they would just go to hell. That sounds like a dividing line. And he says this, every other issue is very, very important, but it's not a dividing line. Did you get that? Every other issue is super, super important, but not a dividing line. It's not enough. You can come at me with crazy medical... uh, stuff, crazy conspiracy theories, stuff you heard on Newsmax or NBC. You can come at me with all the craziness and it's not enough for me to say, Hey, I can't love you. I can't be kind to you. I can't be gentle to you. I can't listen to you. I can't honor you. I can't respect like, like that's not going to be the dividing line. Okay. How does that do anything? at the center of any conflict that divides, what did I say? My rightness makes me good, acceptable, superior even. My own truth is my righteousness. It is my self-justification. My truth endorses all of my mean things that I say because I'm right, so I can say a lot of mean things, actually. I'm right. I can be mean. I don't know if you do that. So, we base our divisions. That This is distilling a ton of scriptural material, but it's for your benefit, okay? We base our divisions on our self-rightness and another's wrongness. The Jesus-formed life. We base our unity on another's rightness and our brokenness. Do you see that? But listen to this. What if this is true? Parentheses, I think it's true. Stop with the rhetorical employment of the question. Just say it's true. I believe it's true. But what if it was true? Consider it. Is he talking to himself? I don't know. I'll still pay attention. (sighs) Jesus was divided. He was like he was torn from the relationship with his father and the spirit. They had real conflict and dividedness enter into just a beautiful, beautiful situation they had going on for, I don't know, eternity. He was considered not right, but wrong. He He was just Disunified. How troubling is that for a perfect, perfect person? His uh, tunic, cloak, clothes torn, bed on. He was shamed in the area of public opinion. Um, Yeah, actually, uh, we'd rather have the murderer go free than you. (laughs) He was divided from a legal community, Pilate. Yeah. I declare you divided divided from a religious community he's not ours in fact we think he's blasted, like we think he's he's ruined all the our religious precious things divided 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 to procure what your rightness you are suddenly made right you're right you're right you're right, you're right. Suddenly a person can say, I'm right. Try it out. It kind of feels good. <laughs> Maybe not in the direction of your spouse. Say it. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Throw it out there again. I'm right. I'm right. And it's not based on my truth. It's the, based on the person who calls himself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. And because of that, me, you, we don't have to be right on all these other issues. Because you're like, I'm right already. I don't need it to get superiority anywhere. I don't need to prove anything. There are important issues that we need to still talk about, go to the mat for they're not going to be dividing issues anymore. Why? Because I'm right. I'm right. I'm, I'm right by Jesus, by another's rightness. You know what that would do to God's landmark in a city? You know these people who do not, do not exist? <laughs> <laughs> the robots are taking over. You know these people who do not exist? Um, well, If you find your rightness in truth outside of yourself, those people that do not exist suddenly get names. Taylor, Johnny, Jonathan, Pam, Richard, G. Sun, winner of the game. (laughs) Grady, Sam, Tim, J.D., Gabe, Vicky. All these people who do not exist get names. Kaiyi, I see you behind the mask. The lights are bright. My range is limited. Laureen, I see you. I assume Peter's behind. You get names. Tony, Phoebe. I I read you the poll, though. And the dividing line will not be to vax or not to vax. It won't be party. It won't be news source. It won't be preferences. They would be all right. Because we wouldn't have to be right anywhere else. Let's pray. Our Father and our God. Well, you know this first, Jesus. You know that I have made lesser issues, dividing lines for my care and my kindness and my help. Kill that in me. Kill it. And bring to life your building, your landmark in a city with my friends here. In Jesus' name, amen.